All right. Thank you for joining us for another exciting bonus episode. We are here with your atheist pastor, Luke. Yeah. So Luke, you were so gracious as to join us for you know, Exodus chapter four, five, and six, and as we continue on into the story of Moses. And I'm curious, you, know, you have a history of, you know, going to seminary school, of kind of being on this track toward actually becoming a pastor, and then your path diverged there, as it were. My first question would be, when you go to seminary school, do you spend a lot of time learning about different translations of the Bible? Is there a lot of discussion around the fact that like translation can change the meaning so much? Or does that depend on the school? Like, What was your experience with that? So I'll say it depends on the school you go to. So there are Bible schools out there that are like the King James or the New King James is the only Bible translation that's, that's legit. Huh. And I will say specifically, I can say that like Life Pacific College um, which is a four-square university or four-square Bible school. Like, they kind of hold that view. I went to, at that time, it was the Haggard School of Theology at a specific university. So we covered things like in my Gospels and Acts class where we were, uh, we had this thing called the synopsis of the Gospels or whatever. And it basically put every Gospel next to each other to show where they deviated from mm, each right. other, where they were the same. And then we talked about even the construction and the compilation of the Gospels. And so the Gospels weren't originally written in this chronological, you know, Matthew, as it were, mm. didn't sit down and write this linear. There's different stories take place in different parts of each of the synoptic Gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke. And then John's just kind of off in his own right. little world. Right. Like John, John is just like, why was that put in there? <laughs> so we talked a lot. We didn't talk specifically about, we talked about translation issues. We used in seminary, typically we use the New Revised Standard Version because they took the NRSV is more of a literal translation, but it's still readable hmm. because some of the more literal, you know, the message is just like, hey, whatever, yeah. you know, we're going to make, take liberties you know, with this uh, to I make mean, it readable. You know, if God, <laughs> if God oh, exists, man. if God exists, like God bless Eugene Peterson because he really like, He's a great writer, but he he like really spent a lot of time making the Bible readable. Mm. And uh, I don't know if you guys ever did like a cheers to his death or whatever, like whether or not, you know, Eugene is the writer of the message isn't around anymore. But he whether you agree with Christianity or not, you have to admire the effort he put into he it. He did put quite an effort in. Yeah. So the thing that struck me the most in a lot of my classes, most of my, my Bible classes were were divided into like sections of the Bible. So you'd have like New Testament, Old Testament, Gospels and Acts, and you'd kind of, you know, base it off that. So Genesis and Exodus was really a big class for me because you learned about how there are basically two flood stories that were cut and pasted and put together. Oh, interesting. So if, if you look at one part of the flood story, it's God took two of each. And then you look at another part of the flood story, it's God took seven pairs of each clean animal and what is it like two pairs right. of each unclean yeah. animal or yeah, something like that. I don't know so, what that was. And if you, right. And so, so if you take those and you actually like, there's a book we, we read that would highlight different sections. And when you pull them apart, which is what this book did, there are two separate flood stories telling two separate narratives wow. that are basically like, literally, it looks like somebody cut the lines out of a piece of paper and put them like, okay, we'll put this one here. We'll put huh. this one here. We'll put this one here. And that happened across much of the Bible. And it's not just Genesis and Exodus that that happened. So that starts to raise some questions after you start looking at that for a while, depending on what your theological right. background is. Well, I mean, I, I definitely think for me, the veneer definitely starts to crack when I was a teenager and and first started 
realizing and learning like, oh, there's different translations and wait, that kind of runs counter to like, if I'm being told that this is like the infallible word of God and we need to interpret it like very literally, like how do, do I square those two things? And it's funny because I think I, I watched my mom go through kind of the same process as well with her with her Christian faith as she kind of started to get into did? more. Yes. You know, as she started like learning more about the history of translations and learning about the Council of Nice, you know, the, of Nicaea and all that and realize, oh, actually, this isn't an infallible document. It's had people's hands all over it with all kinds of motivations to influence it and change it. And not only that, when you look at the fact that the Catholic Bible has a whole section that isn't even included in the Protestant yeah. Bible. Right. And whether you call that the Apocrypha or the Deuterocanonicals, it really doesn't matter what term you use. But like, there's a whole chunk of the Bible that half of Christianity is using that the other half of Christianity is not using, which is also a really fascinating kind of like, what happened there? Right. Yeah. I mean, even on that, something that I remember learning about when I was studying abroad in Russia, and we were learning about the Russian Orthodox Church, and that apparently like one of the big divisions between the Catholic Church and the Orthodox Church had to do with, I think it was literally one word in the Nicene hmm. Creed, which we haven't gotten to and we won't for quite a while, but like literally one word difference or no, I'm sorry, it was one sentence that in one version was just not existing uh, and in the other it was, that that sort of rippled out into all these other repercussions of their theologies and ended up being different enough that there are these two quite separate churches in a lot of ways. Wow. Well, and it's it's so interesting too, like with Orthodox and Catholic, how the Orthodox priests can do Catholic services and Catholic priests can do Orthodox services, but yet they kind of like, there's some infighting and, and, and it is probably over something meaningless that nobody even, you know, cares about now. But You all are speaking Greek to me. Like I, have, I, I truly have no idea what you're talking about. Sorry. I know we've gotten, <laughs> we've gotten ahead. Sorry. Oh, sorry, Emily. I'm so sorry. <laughs> <laughs> well, okay. We don't want to give spoilers. So rather than, than explain all that, let's, let's try to bring it back to talking about Exodus specifically. So Luke, I was curious about, you mentioned that you haven't read the Bible in the past like four years or so. And yep. coming back to it in this context, uh, you mentioned that during the episode. I mean, what, tell us a little bit more about like, what was that experience for you? So the Bible, like, man, the interesting thing about being kind of a Pentecostal pastor is that Old Testament doesn't matter. They say it does, but it doesn't. So like, let's be real. Like they like lip service. They say, oh, the whole Bible matters. It's all the inspired word of God. No, they don't care. In the Pentecostal tradition, they care about Acts and Paul. Yeah. And maybe John, like John is cool because John is kind of the mystical gospel. Like the whereas, guy. Like, well, well yeah. yeah, kind of. So, so Jesus, I could be wrong, but I don't think I am. Jesus never claims to be the son of God in Matthew, Mark, and Luke. He claims to be the son of man. Hmm. It's only in John that Jesus claims to be the son of God. Interesting. So, And then Acts all has the gifts of the spirit and all that stuff. So speaking in tongues. And again, I don't want to give anything away. So we'll just, we'll leave it at that. So the Old Testament is always like, if you want to fall asleep at night, <laughs> read the Old Testament. And, uh, well, and some and of so, it is frightening. So, <laughs> well, so to sit here and go back through it and actually like, because as a pastor, you often don't read the Bible cover to cover. You read, you have an idea in your head of what you want to preach on. So you find verses through BibleGateway.com <laughs> to back up your whatever you're going <laughs> to preach on. And so 
So you often don't use Exodus and God talking, you know, and Zephyrah circumcising her son oh. to keep God from killing everybody. That's not, that doesn't, like I said, that doesn't preach well. Right. So it was really fun to like read through and be like, oh my gosh. Yeah. This book is crazy. Yes. Yes, it is. <laughs> that is what I have found is that this book is crazy. That's so funny to hear from you because we've talked about this on other episodes that it's like really statistically, there's very few people in the world and few Christians actually who have actually read the Bible cover to cover. You know, they do exist, but my impression, and this seems to be backed up by some evidence, is that like most people's approach to this text is a very curated approach. Whether that's you're following a devotional that's telling you which verses to read on a particular day, or a pastor is preparing a sermon that kind of takes you through which particular verses are going to be meaningful, or like, you know, in my Christian education, you're going to Christian school or Sunday school, which is giving you kind of like the child-friendly version of these stories. Right. And most people's approach to the Bible is this very curated thing. So it's also surprising to me to hear from you and your experience as a pastor. It's like, even as a pastor, like you're still kind of like skipping around and not oh, necessarily. Okay, so January 1st, that's coming up. Christians all around the world are mm. going to commit their year to reading through the whole Bible oh, in a year. What? Christian New Year's resolution. Those, those Right, those, Christ, those Christians, yeah, it happens. It really does. Now, let me tell you what's going to happen. How far do to, they get? To, well, so here, I'm going to answer that question for you. So 99% of them, are going to get to Leviticus and they're going to stop. They're going to be like, never mind. It's fine. <laughs> because because once you get to Leviticus and Deuteronomy, it gets dry uh. and it gets tough. And then again, not trying to give much away, but then then once you kind of move past that, you get into second, first and second Samuel and you get into Kings, Judges, those are the prophets, all that kind of stuff. It's different. But, but you, generally speaking, like, evangelical Christianity specifically is very New Testament driven. Yeah. And it's very, it's very the letters of Paul driven. So if you go to most churches during the year, they're going to talk anything from Hebrews, Corinthians, the gospels and Jesus don't matter because Paul was very heavy on theology. So that's where a lot of evangelical theology comes from. So like a lot of progressive churches you go to talk in the gospels and then a lot of evangelical churches focus on the letters of Paul. But anyway, that's I didn't I never read the whole thing. Wow. Who has? We're apparently going to. <laughs> we are going to. We're on our journey. Yeah. Well, we haven't gotten to Leviticus yet. <laughs> so this is something actually that I, I thought was interesting to bring up. So we talked about this, I guess, a couple months ago now, probably, but talking about looking up statistics about people reading the Bible. And I'm just curious for your impression, because you whipped out that interesting, like, 99% are going to stop, you know, a few books in. And... It's unscientific. Right. Anecdotal. Totally. So this is a statistic I found, and I just want to hear your first impressions. And that is that 20% of Americans have read all of the Bible, and 9% have read all of it more than once. Bull poop. I don't believe <laughs> okay. that at all. Bull poop. <laughs> Can I say shit on the bonus features, or is that is that a is that? Can I say bullshit yeah, on the bonus well, features? Well, you just did. Because so. that just well, you have twice. That just, so. Yeah, yeah. Because that just that just sound like I bet you twenty people said they read it <laughs> because they thought that God would be mad, God would be happier with them lying about reading it than they would of them actually saying like, yeah, I didn't read that. Because I yeah, like I I am working with two like very very godly men in my uh 
in my quartet here in Shanghai, and they you mean, you mean very I, like very Christian, yes, very Christian, very, Christian, very religious okay. guys. And when I asked them if they've read the whole Bible, they just kind of skipped over. They like just <laughs> kind of changed the subject. That. They didn't really answer me. They definitely didn't answer me fully. They definitely didn't. So I'm pretty sure that they have not. And I'm pretty sure that by the time I'm done with this, I will have read far more of the Bible than they have. Yes. Uh, so this is funny. Cool. So this this study was done by self-reporting. And so you're exactly right that 20% of people say they have read all of the Bible. And uh, when I was looking into this too, in some of like the forums and stuff, you know, on Reddit and Quora and wherever, when people were talking about this, they're like, well, you know, if you go to weekly Catholic mass every week, you're getting a section. And in the three year no, cycle, no. you're going to no. have read all of the Bible. And I was like, that doesn't sound true. So I looked that up. And if you go every week to Catholic mass and go through their whole rotation before it starts over again, you're only going to read less than 4% of the Old Testament. What? And only 41% of the New Testament. So that's 12, 12.7% wow. of the whole Bible. You're reading like I didn't barely know a scratch. And here's the best part. Even if you go to daily mass every single day to Catholic church, in total, after that whole cycle, you're only ever going to hit 27.5% of the Bible. Whoa. Jeez. Wow. That's so fascinating. Yeah. You'll get 71.5% of the New Testament. So you will get a pretty good chunk Most of, of that. that. But you're only going to get 13.5% of the Old Testament. So you're really barely <sighs> scratching the surface. That makes sense, though. Yeah. Totally get that. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. So I just, yeah. I think well, a lot yeah. of people overestimate how much of the Bible they've sort of read by being exposed to it, by being raised Christian. You're like, yeah, hmm. every Bible story that gets mentioned, I've heard of or I've read. So like, I okay, must have, but that's I not must every Bible story. <laughs> exactly. Right. right. So, so like, I, I think you guys mentioned on, you read the story of Tamar, where it was like, uh, you know, spilling the seed on oh, the, yeah. On the oh, yeah. Yeah. because, yeah. because yeah. You, know, you know, you, you ask most Christians if they know that story and they're like, nope, what are you talking <laughs> yeah. about? You know? And, he and so it is a, um, he got killed. Yeah, man. Exactly. That was out of and, and that's and that kind of stuff. That is not. That stuff is in the Bible. It is in this book that these folks claim is inerrant and infallible, but they've never heard that story. Yeah. And so you, they hear that story, and they're like, "I remember the first I heard time I heard that story. I was like." What are, you, what? <laughs> what are you talking about? Like, yeah. that, can, that cannot, this cannot be in here, you know, but it is, it is in there. And, and that's, um, you start hearing enough of those stories and it starts to make you think like, well, maybe I need to rethink. I just about. always, I'm always just kind For of me. in my brain. It's just like, I want to recreate like this experiment of, because I, I think about like when I was growing up, you know, there's the Gideons who would hand out copies of the gospel mm -hmm. at schools and public places and stuff like that. And I guess the implication being that by giving someone the Bible or part of the Bible for free and kind of the same thing that there's, you know, the Bible in every hotel room that like this implication being that like by just giving someone this text, that is enough to convert, convert them, them or yeah. get them interested or bring them into the flock. And I don't think that's necessarily wrong. Like, of course, like, you know, I think that like some people have randomly turned to the Bible and found it to be very uplifting or, or healing or whatever. But for me, it's just kind of like, but really though, if we're just reading this book cover to cover on its own, not having someone help 
curate or explain or give the explanations. I'm like, how effective is that as a strategy? You know, like that's well, what I'm kind of curious about in doing this. Most of those. So the Gideons kind of give out two different ones. There's the Gideon, the full Bible yeah. that's in the right. hotel rooms, but the ones that they hand out, those those tiny ones, yeah, just like, those are the, the gospels. those are the New Test right. they're the New Testament and Psalms. Right. Oh. And so, well, so those it are leaves easy to out read. Exactly. <laughs> and it, it leaves out Tamar, Exodus, like Leviticus, right. Deuteronomy, all those books that make you like all the prophets, the one where the stuff that needs you know, a little explaining. God, the one where God compares Israel to a whore. Yeah. You know, all those things. Yeah, I know. That was a trailer. Emily's that was face. a trailer for you, Emily. That's a trailer. So, like, those aren't there. Yeah. So, if you just read, like, oh, Jesus died for me, you're like, well, that's cool. Right. And then you find out there's a whole half the book you never actually, read. Or reading Psalms. Actually, also. three quarters of the book. <laughs> More than half. Goodness. Yeah. Three quarters of the book is Old Testament. Yeah. Yeah. It's an interesting thing. I mean, I... There were so many questions that I just like suppressed when I was in seminary that now I've been able to more explore due to the fact that I don't have a faith anymore. So, so it's, it's been, you kind of can explore things differently when you don't have to believe it at the end. Interesting. Yeah. I, yeah actually, I kind of like that sentiment, like kind of how you're talking about with, with, you know, talking to a lot of rabbis that are much more comfortable with ambiguity and with things being flexible that, it does kind of give you more room to explore and toss out theories and make it more applicable to yourself. I think when it's not about, I somehow have to square myself with, with accepting as fact that yeah. this, you know, there were seven pairs of animals on a boat or whatever. Well, and, and when you, when you go to seminary, at least for me, I, I don't want to say everybody that ever has gone, but when I went to seminary, like I already had a point of belief and to, in order to have a job at the end of it, you have to, still be believing. Mm. You know, it's pretty hard to be a pastor when you don't believe. Mm. People do it, but it's hard to do. So you have to figure out a way to square all your questions with ending at a point of belief. So that that makes you do some really interesting theological gymnastics throughout through, you know, kind of along the way. Then when you don't have to believe anymore, you can kind of read some of these things and go, I have a different answer now mm. than I had mm -hmm. before. Yeah, I've, I've found this has yeah. been super fascinating and I'm glad you got to join it for us. Me too. There's been stuff that I, you know, in my journey would have read or did read and kind of justified or sort of apologized for in my mind to then going to like, oh, this is all shit to now reading it and being like, there's actually some cool stuff in here that actually makes a lot of sense. And maybe there's things to learn from it, but it's not the things I thought there were to learn from it because I was coming into it kind of with a conclusion already in my mind that I was trying to make yeah. it fit. Well, there are some good things in yeah. there. There's some hilarious things in there. Right, you know, I mean, but there are some, the repetition is hysterical. When I was listening to the Genesis one that you guys did, I just was laughing my ass off when you guys were talking about the, the repetition. I thought it was hilarious. I never, you never noticed that. Yeah. And then we noticed it when we were doing it. But I think there there's some good stuff in there too. Like there's some, some great psalms that really talk mm. about human lamenting and emotion and poetry. There's some beautiful things in there. But then to take other things is like, no, this actually happened. It's like, I don't know if that guy got eaten by a fish and mm. got puked out three days later. That's a big ass fish. Yeah, there's trailers a lot of all like over teasers the place. today. Yeah. Sorry, my bad. I'm so sorry. I'm sorry. I, there's just 
Sorry, Emily. There's there's so there's just so like, much I have that no I have no context for what you're saying. So <laughs> I'll probably forget about it, and then it'll come back, and I'll be like, maybe some bad. time that was said, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> My bad. Well, well, this has been great. Yeah. <laughs> Again, Luke, thank you so much for joining us. Hopefully, we'll be able to have you back on sometime in the future. And absolutely, yeah, thank you for sharing your knowledge and your experience. Oh, it's my pleasure. Thank you guys so much for having thank me. Thank you so much. 